Here, God, I pray that today that you would soften our hearts and guide us and teach us what you would have us learn from your word. Change us to become more like you. In your name I pray. Amen. Now, if you were asked to summarise what the whole book of Philemon was in your own words, if you were put on the spot, um, I wonder what you'd say. Now, in my research, I, I found what I thought was a really good summary. See if you can get it. The book of Philemon is really a story about an old man writing to a good man about a bad man who became a new man. <laughs> Hopefully you got that. If not, here it is again. The book of Philemon is really a story about an old man writing to a good man about a bad man who became a new man. So let me explain this in a little more detail. The old man, of course, is Paul, the apostle. He's in prison and he's writing this open letter to a good man. His name's Philemon. He's a fellow Christian. And it's written not just to Philemon, but this letter is also written to the church that meets in his house. And this letter from Paul involves advice on how Philemon should respond to a bad man a slave of his named Onesimus, a slave who ran away from his master. And then, owing to God's own divine providence, met Paul and became a Christian, a new man. And Paul is now sending Onesimus back. He's sending him back with this letter and he's asking Philemon, graciously accept Onesimus the new man back. No longer just a slave, but now a fellow brother in Christ. What a dilemma. This is a situation where Philemon, as the good man, has been wronged. But it's also a situation where the bad, but now new man, Onesimus, has had the courage to come back with Paul's letter and face Philemon to face his master's potential anger and his wrath and judgment, perhaps. So what is specifically the Apostle Paul's advice in this letter? What does he say to Philemon? And perhaps even to us today, who have been wronged or hurt by another, perhaps even by a Christian brother or sister that's been sitting here with you today. Let me show you three responses, what I call the three R's, that Paul writes to Philemon about in verses 17 onwards that we read about today. And I believe this provides us with a godly response when we've been wronged by a fellow believer. The three R's are receive, repay, and refresh. Receive, repay, and refresh. So here's the first one, receive. So if you consider me, Paul, your partner, in verse 17 it says, Philemon, then receive him. Receive Onesimus as you would receive me. So imagine being Philemon. You open your front door and there's Onesimus standing there. 
not in chains or with guards returning your runaway slave, but rather with another fellow believer. And he's got a letter. This letter is from his beloved spiritual father, Paul. And Paul is asking Philemon, if you are my partner in the gospel, which you are, if you are faithful and you love the saints, which you do, if you want to share your faith and you want it to be effective, then Philemon, receive Onesimus, welcome him. Now remember, Onesimus has done something wrong. We don't know exactly what it is. The text suggests perhaps he stole something from his master, took it. But if you're anything like me, and someone has done something wrong by you, would you want to be asked to welcome them back with open arms? I know I struggle with this. Surely you'd want some kind of justice. You want some sort of payback. Perhaps have him arrested, punished for the wrong he's done. But here, the Apostle Paul is asking Philemon to do something different something most people would not understand. He's asking Philemon to not just receive the new man back, but to go further, to accept Onesimus back as if he was accepting me, old man Paul, the one who's like a father to him, the one who you would consider a partner in the gospel. And see, Onesimus is a changed man, a new man. He's now a believer, a child of God. Once he put his faith and trust in Jesus, he was no longer just a slave. He became a fellow brother in Christ. He's now a new creation. And in verse 12, Paul states that he's sending Onesimus back to Philemon as if it were his very own heart. Can you imagine that? His very own heart. Paul is taking the place of that bad man, Onesimus. He's effectively saying, when you see Onesimus, when you see him, pretend it's me. It's me, Paul. I'm standing in his place instead. Now, why? Why would Paul do this? Because it's what Jesus would have done. Hasn't Jesus himself taken our place? Hasn't he stepped in as our substitute? Our replacement on the cross? And now when God receives us and welcomes us, no matter what we've done, whether we've stolen or whatever we've done, it's as if he's welcoming his son Jesus instead. And by the way, remember too that both Paul and Philemon, they were once bad men. They were bad men too, who became new men through Jesus. And aren't we the same? We too have run, done wrong by our master. We were bad men and women. We were slaves ourselves. Slaves to sin. Enemies of God. And yet, God welcomes us. God receives us. As new men and women. As brothers and sisters of Christ. As sons. As daughters of God. Now, I remember going on a trip to Thailand 
uh, in my university days. Um, it was organised by a Christian group at uni. Um, after a, what I thought was a long flight at the time, uh, I've since been to America and realised that was a really short flight. But uh, we arrived at the airport and we were greeted by a number of Thai Christian brothers and sisters. Now, I'd never met, the, never met them before. They were holding up this large banner. They were incredibly welcoming. They took us into their homes and they put on this massive feast. I reckon it must have cost them a week's wages. This was just for us, just to welcome us. We were amazed. We were humbled. They welcomed us as if we were extremely important people, VIPs. And here, Paul is asking Philemon to do the same. Paul models his behaviour on Christ, and he expects Philemon to do likewise, as we should today. But it's so hard to forgive. I know the wrongs committed against me in my life so far, the things people have done against me, are minuscule. They're really very, very, very small compared to what many others in the world have suffered. Perhaps even some of you are suffering right now. Perhaps you've had wrongs committed against you. But we're called by God to forgive. Welcome back. Just like the father in the parable of the prodigal son. Do you remember that? In fact, our willingness to forgive really reveals how much we have minimised our offences to God and maximised other people's offences towards us. We are called to follow the way of Christ, to never forget how Jesus welcomes us and forgives us. However, there's always a cost. There's always a debt that must be paid. This is my second point. The second R, the promise to repay. Now, repay is not what I mean by getting even here. That's not what I think. The repay is not getting revenge. Rather, the repay here is to repay wrong with right and to cover the debt. So have a read of verse 18 and 19. If he, this is Onesimus, has wronged you at all, if he has wronged you at all, or owes you anything, Philemon, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. To say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. You see, receiving people will have a cost that has to be paid. Welcoming them, welcoming them back will have a cost. And here Paul is asking Philemon to cover all the wrongs. Paul is saying, he's done wrong by you, which he has. There's no if about it. I'll repay it. Charge it to my account. See, Paul is taking on this debt. He's covering it. He's paying the price for the new man, Onesimus. The debt is not forgotten. 
but it must be accounted for. And Paul is writing here in his own hand. This is my IOU. I will cover. I will cover any debts owed. Now, do you remember the parable of the Good Samaritan? Well, Paul here is being the Good Samaritan. He is saying, when I come back, I'll pay the bill. I'll settle any charges owing. And by the way, Paul is in prison, perhaps in Rome, and he's possibly not able to pay immediately. You get this by him saying, charge it to my account. Paul then does that whole subtle thing. I don't know if you've experienced this, perhaps a friend talking to you when they say, well, I'm not going to say it, but actually I am. I really am. He actually does that. He says, he reminds Philemon, you know what? You owe me a much greater debt. So you see, Philemon, he came to faith through Paul. He heard the gospel through Paul. And in a sense, Philemon owes Paul his very own self. And this is a debt he cannot repay. It's not a debt that he can do anything about. It's a debt that surely surpasses anything that Onesimus owes him. You see, I love how Paul redirects Philemon's thoughts here. He directs them heavenward from an earthly debt, maybe something stolen, to something of eternal value. It really puts the issue of into perspective here for Philemon. See, Paul is taking the teachings of Jesus, he's applying it. The commandments to love God and love others, he's putting into action, he's putting into practice. Now, in the movie The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, or the book, or the book, uh, in the scene where Edmund first meets the White Witch in Narnia. Now, Edmund betrays those he cares about. He does this all for the taste of an enchanted Turkish delight. Really nice, sweet. But he does this for the promise of more. He becomes a traitor. He betrays his siblings. But later on in the story, we see how Edmund is won back. He's received back. How? Because Aslan makes a deal with the White Witch to sacrifice his life instead of Edmund's, the traitor. Aslan pays the price for Edmund doing wrong. He takes the cost on himself. He dies so that Edmund will live. Now today we need to remember this. We need to remember that receiving, forgiving and loving others who have done us wrong will be costly. But this is nothing compared to what Christ has done for us. Nothing compared to the cost of what the Son of God has done. He has humbled himself. Jesus has taken on our debt, our sin. He's paid the pride for us on the cross. He set the bar high. He set the example so that we too can forgive and love others. And perhaps even bear the cost ourselves. For if God had not taken on the debt himself, where would we be? We would still be wallowing in sin with no hope 
no hope of forgiveness, no hope of restoration or relationship with God. You see, and if we too welcome and receive back someone who has wronged us or owes us, it may be a substantial cost. But just like Aslan paid the price for Edmund, Jesus has paid a much higher debt for us. And when we do this, when we welcome others and bear the cost and repay evil with good, there's some really cool benefits. This includes renewed fellowship and it includes refreshment. So that's my third point. My third R, refresh. Have a look in verse 20. Have a read with me. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Now, what do you think of when you think of the word refresh? For some, it's a bit of quiet, it's a bit of solitude, getting out in nature, having a break from life. Now, for myself, I found on holidays something that refreshed me. Uh, mowing the lawn, as we did lots and lots and lots in the holidays, uh, in the hot sun. Didn't really enjoy it, but uh, loved getting back inside with a nice cold drink of ginger beer. My favourite. It refreshed me. Now, the dictionary definition of refresh means to give fresh spirit or vigour, to renew, to revive, to reinvigorate. And here, Paul is talking about something even better than a ginger beer. He is talking about having his heart refreshed in Christ. Now, how is your heart refreshed in Christ? How is your heart refreshed as a Christian? What builds you up? What refreshes you as a Christian? What fills your metaphorical love tank? Now, I found I have been refreshed, particularly after listening to somebody else's testimony. I love it. I love hearing how God has been at work in someone else's life. I'm refreshed when I hear this. I'm refreshed when I meet up with fellow believers. I'm refreshed and stirred up when I hear their love for God. I'm refreshed when I hear their passionate prayer. When I hear how God has answered their prayers in amazing ways. I'm refreshed when I'm serving alongside of a group of believers who are working together as a team who are focused on sharing the good news of the gospel with others. And I'm refreshed when they point me to the goodness of God when I forget. You see, I'm refreshed when I see the gospel at work, when I see the transformation in people's lives, when they change from being bad people to new people. I think that's what Paul is looking for here. I think this is the refreshment he's looking for from Philemon. He's almost demanding it. He wants to hear of Philemon's godly response to his letter. He wants to take great delight and joy in hearing and hearing again of evidence of Philemon's godly love for his fellow believers. That he would receive back a slave, a slave that had wronged him, a bad man turned new man. Welcome him back into his very own house. And Paul is so certain of his response. 
In verse 21, it says, Confident of your obedience, Philemon, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. You see, why? Why would he be confident that he would do more than he asked? This is because he's not doing it under compulsion, but he's doing it out of love. It is in response to the price that Christ paid for Philemon that he would act too. He would act in love. That he would welcome Onesimus back. He would bear the cost of taking him back on equal footing as another saviour, sorry, as another sinner saved by grace. Now, have you heard the story of Elizabeth Elliot? Yeah. She was the wife of the martyr missionary Jim Elliot. Now, Jim Elliot and four other men went to um, Ecuador uh, to share the gospel. Uh, they went to the, now I've got to get this right, the Wodani tribe, or the Orcas, as they're also known. And all five men perished. They were killed, killed by this tribe. And two years later, Elizabeth Elliot, with her baby daughter, returned as a missionaries to live among this same tribe. She forgave them. And through her forgiveness, she eventually had the opportunity to share the gospel with the very people who killed her husband. Now, she went beyond just forgiving she spent time with them. She lived out the gospel in their presence. And later on, when she died in 2015, the tributes to Elizabeth Elliot rang out across the globe. She has been listed as one of the most influential Christian women of the 20th century. Her impact went beyond just the people she forgave, beyond just the tribe. It has had a ripple effect on the Christian community. Believe me, not only will Philemon's forgiveness and his welcoming of Onesimus restore the relationship between them, between the wrongs and the wrongdoer, but it'll have a ripple effect. It will bless, it will encourage Paul too. What a source of joy and encouragement it would be for Paul, languishing in prison. And not only to Paul, but others as well. That even 2,000 years or so later, wouldn't it be of refreshment to us even today? So how about you? Do you want to be a refreshment to others? Do we inspire others around us to love God more? To be more drawn to Him? Do we refresh others with our words, with our actions? in how we respond to those who hurt us? Although the voice of sin is loud, the voice of forgiveness is louder. It's a quote by D.L. Moody. So do we encourage others like Paul does? For this is the heart of the letter. This is the heart of Philemon, the practical outworking of the gospel. Forgiveness and reconciliation at work, refreshing the hearts of the saints. And just as Paul and Philemon were partners in the gospel, so are we. Us today, 
us brothers and sisters in the Lord. We're all partners. Just as in verse 23, we read of Paul and Epaphras, Mark and Luke and Aristarchus were. They were partners in the gospel. And just like them, we're called to receive and to welcome, to count the cost and to be a refreshment to others, to live out the gospel. Doing this will refresh your heart. It will refresh the hearts of other believers and it'll be a wonderful testimony of God's grace and it will glorify him. Let me finish by saying, although we don't know for sure, but the fact that the letter of Philemon is still around today gives me confidence to believe that this is how it turns out. With the good man receiving the bad man turn new man which refreshes the heart of the old man and even us today let me pray dear god i pray that you might continue transforming us to be like christ help us today to practically live out the gospel in our daily lives help us to be characterized by forgiveness that we would welcome others and count the cost. May our lives be a refreshment to those around us. And may our love for you be reflected in how we live. In Jesus' name, amen.